Okay, so now we're going, we're in Seif Bays on page 198. And now we're going to bring the base Yosef's opinions. Oh, and I'm sorry, is that a new copy? No, this is the same one. From yesterday. Oh, okay. The Sicha from yesterday. Okay. Um, yeah, it's important to know because you brought it up, Hadassah brought it up that, that like, is the but what does it mean that the Rebbe is like disagreeing with the base Yosef, saying he's wrong? Okay, um, it doesn't ever, God forbid, say. When you say when one a commentary will say on another that they're wrong, it doesn't delegitimize totally the other commentary. It's just saying there's something there that's lacking that my explanation will hopefully fill in that thing that isn't addressed in that answer. Um, you know, so God forbid, say that he didn't have Rocha Kodesh and he was. You know, any time that you know that um, the rebel or anyone else will argue or disagree with someone, um, it's not ever, God forbid, to delegitimize their perspective at all. Um, there's layers and layers and layers to different answers to different questions as well. So, okay, so we're going to read here about the, um, the Beis Yosef's opinions, and then the Rebbe is going to explain how they can be put into two different categories, these three questions and how both of them are seemingly lacking in a in meaningful answer. So, Neis Chanukah, Kamos or Echos. Is the miracle of Chanukah a miracle of quali- quantity or quality? So, Neis Chanukah, Neis Chanukah mas, Mosbar, the miracle of Chanukah is explained, but Klalos generally, Drachim in two ways. So, we have the three famous answers of the Beis Yosef, but we have hundreds of different answers that could generally be categorized either into quantity or into quality. So what's the quality one, the quantity one? Aleph, kamos. Kamos is quantity, the amount. Kamos hashemen gadla benes. The amount of the oil grew through a miracle. Kach shehayadei shemen, to the point that there was enough oil. Lekol shmonet hayamim, for all eight days. If that means that just the jug of oil just remained full every single day, after filling up the candles, they filled it up initially, or because every day they just found that the oils were full of oil. According to these two opinions of the base Yosef. So the base Yosef brings three explanations to our original question from yesterday. Why are we celebrating eight days of Hanukkah if seemingly the first day was not a miracle the first day they had the oil? So the first way that the base Yosef explains this is in a way of commerce of quantity. That they took the jug of oil and they poured eight, but the jug never emptied. Okay? The jug remained full of oil for all eight days, they were able to just keep pouring, keep pouring, keep pouring, which would mean that the first day was also a miracle because they saw right away that they poured the oil, but the quantity in the jug never went down, okay? So that does answer the question, and that's an answer based on quantity. The amount never went down. The second opinion of the basis, which I think is actually the third, his third one, is also quantity, where it's explained here, what, what does he say? That they filled up the oil, the jug emptied, okay? The jug emptied, the menorah was filled with oil, but the oil itself never went down, okay? So it was a, just the quantity, sorry, sorry, not that the oil never went down, that it kept refilling. Just like the jug kept refilling when they poured it. The third opinion actually is that they poured it, it went down, and then it refilled, and then it went down, and then it refilled, which is the typical, like, explanation that I think as children we usually think of, um, right? We think of, you know, that it just kept, you know, either it didn't go down at all, or it just kept refilling, right? So that would be the third one. Also, a quantity thing, that the oil itself just kept growing and growing and growing, and that would mean that also on the first day, there was a miracle, why? Why would there be a miracle on the first day if according to the second opinion that the oil just kept refilling. So refilled the first day. Right. At night, they filled the oil. And in the morning, which is still the first day of Hanukkah, they came, right, to see the, to light the menorah. You light it in the evening and in the morning. And what did they see? That it hadn't gone down, that it was full. So even on the first day, it was a miracle. Okay. 
Um, so that's two of the three opinions of the Beis Yosef, which can be put into the, the category of quantity. The amount of oil just miraculously kept refilling and or did, did not empty. The second category is quant- quality. The quality of the oil changed. Ichus hashemen hishtanta. The quality of the oil changed. Kamut hashemen hamaspika ba'ofen tivi. The amount of oil that generally, naturally, is only enough, liyom echad bilvad, for only one day, dal kashmone yamim, remained lit for eight days. Klamar, which means to say, kol yom kalsa shminis min hashemen shebapach, Every day it burned through an eighth of the oil in the jug. According to the opinion of the Beis Yosef. I'm pretty sure this is his second opinion that he brings down. That the quality of the oil changed. Actually, this is very, this is typically, um, this is typically the, the one that we would think of like from a more, uh, from a more basic perspective. The, the oil, they poured all of the oil, the jug emptied into the into the candles, but the, the quality changed. Usually the quality of oil is that this amount burns through in this amount of time, but now the quality changed that only an eighth burned through every single day. So that would mean that from the first day there was already a miracle, that the quality of the oil changed from the first day, it didn't go all the way down, but only an eighth burned until it was finished. That's actually the one that I would say is typically the most that we think of, right? Not that it kept refilling, but that the oil just slowly, slowly, slowly burned and that the, the candles lasted for so that would be a change in the quality of the oil. So Kvisha Omar Beis Yosef, and that's according to the Beis Yosef's opinion. They divided the oil in the jug into eight. Oh, sorry, I don't think I explained that correctly. They divided it into eight. And they put in one-eighth every day. So they didn't put it in and it burned slowly. Every day they put in one-eighth of the oil, and it lasted for a full day which would mean that from the first day already one-eighth of oil lasted for a full day, so the miracle started then. So every day they only filled one portion of the eight of oil, or as the Prichadosh explains, this is what I just said, that on the first day they put all the oil into the menorah, and every night only an eighth went down. So sorry, that, that what I just said was the pre-Chadash's explanation, which is a quantity explanation. The Beis Yosef's explanation, they divided it into eight, and every day they put one-eighth of the oil, which is only supposed to to ignite for like a few hours, and each one, each time lasted a full day. Like in both ones, the quality, here, no, the, not that it miraculously refills, that would be a quantity, that the oil grew. This is quality, that the oil didn't fill, but the small amount of oil lasted for a long time, okay? So that would be the Prichadosh and the Beis Yosef. One saying they divided it into one eighth, but the quality of that eighth of oil changed, that it lasted a full day, or that they filled it and it only burned one eighth, which means that the quality changed, that it's able to last longer. Make sense? Yeah? Okay. And these all do answer the question. Right? Because they explain why on the first day there was a miracle as well. All of these explanations bring um, an answer to why the first day is celebrated as a miracle as well. Because again, if the, quali- if the quantity changed already from the morning, they would have seen either the jug refilling or they would have seen the candles refilling. If the, quanti- if the quality changed, then they would have already noticed that the oil's quality wasn't fully burning down um, from the first day. So, lefi ze'yotze. According to this, we can see, lechora, seemingly, shehabirur imnes Chanukah. That, the explanation of the miracle of Chanukah, dome lenes haneros, shel sar of Arifka. It's similar to the miracle of the candles of Sarah and Rivka, which lasted from week to week. Remember, we started by talking about this. Excuse me. Taloi b'shnei aifanim elu. It's dependent on these two ways that we can explain the miracle. According to the second way, both of these miracles, that the candles of Sarah and Rivka lasted all week and that the menorah candles lasted eight days. According to the second explanation, it's saying that the quality of the oil changed, 
and in both situations, the candle stayed burning a lot longer than it usually would have. That's always what I used to think of when I learned that Sarah's candles lasted from week to week, right? What does that mean? They lasted from week to week. It just the oil didn't burn down as quickly as it usually does. And so the rabbi is saying we can accord, if we go according to this explanation, we can see a similarity here. What's the difference between these two miracles? In Hanukkah, the oil lasted even longer, for eight days. And second difference is, on Hanukkah, there was a separate miracle every day. Because they, bless you, because they lit the menorah every day. So every day, a new, they were able to experience the miracle of the quality of the oil lasting longer as opposed to Sarah and Rivka who they lost they they lit it once and it was like a one-time miracle but so if they relit it every night then wouldn't it have gone out for them to what do you mean wouldn't it have oh so so according to the pre-chadash that's an interesting question according to the pre-chadash that they filled it up on the first day and then every night no the pre-chadash says that every night that they divided it into eight and that every night they lit one, so that makes sense. But the base Yosef, how does it, I'm try, now I'm actually getting confused by the Prechadash's opinion. He says, on the first day they filled all of the oil in the menorah, okay, and then every night they only lit an eighth of the oil. That, no, I think that means that it only burned through an eighth of the oil. That's what I understood. But then, yeah, how are they lighting it every night? Like I'm saying, and also like for the other ones, it's saying if they, the oil never went down or like it kept refilling. So, so here it's saying that the jug refilled. Like according to the first opinion of the basis of the jug refilled. So every time they poured, which was every night, the jug still had oil in it. So that makes sense how they can refill but it every night. Did the flame just like go out at night? Yes, because, well, okay, so there's like four opinions here. So from the beginning, from the, from the I'm, I'm working through this myself as well because I haven't thought of this. Um, the, from the qu- quantity amount, okay, commas. First explanation, they took a jug, they poured it, they lit it, it went down all the way to the bottom, and then the next day they came, but the jug was still full of oil, so they were able to pour again. This miracle is the exact, if according to this explanation, it's the same, and we're going to bring it inside, as the miracle of Elisha. Have you heard of the prophet Elisha? That, that we'll, we'll learn about it, that there was a woman who, whose husband had passed away. I think he was also a prophet. And she owed a lot of money to the landlord. He wanted to take her sons away as slaves. So she went begging him to help her. And he took her one jug of oil, and he told her to bring all the vessels of her house oil was very expensive in those days and he filled every single vessel and cup and anything that could hold liquid he poured with oil just kept going kept going kept going kept going that's the first opinion of the base Yosef and that makes sense that every night they would light it again because the oil went down every night but the jug remained full of oil the second quantity answer let's see how that can also how they would have lit it every night so here it says that they found the candles filled with oil, but I guess that the candle went out. The fire went out, but the candle was full of oil. That's what it looks like. That's, I mean, if you say... That the oil lasted, but the candle needed to be relit. However, that wasn't the case with Sarah and Rivka. With Sarah and Rivka, the oil lasted and the candle lasted. They didn't relight it every day. It just remained from week to week. So that's actually, yeah, so so that does fit. That does fit. Because here it says clearly that they found the candles full. It doesn't say they found the candles lit. They found the, the candles full of oil again so that they can relight it. Okay, but so it's an interesting question because, yeah, I guess the... It would have had to, the fire would have had to go out even though there was still oil, which doesn't make sense either because fire doesn't go out when there's still oil. So it doesn't make sense, but it seems to be that that was the case because they found the candles full of, full of oil, but it doesn't say that they found them lit. So that's interesting. It's interesting. Maybe I'll, I'll ask someone about that because I want to find out if that's like actually explicitly what he's saying. 
because there would be very that's almost like another miracle that the candle yeah, then went out there's like a kid playing a prank on everyone <laughs> 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 comes in blows <laughs> 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 yeah I'll have to find out that. I never thought about that. But the quantity one, I think, does make sense. Because, yeah, because they divided it into eight. That would make sense. Although, again, the second quantity opinion also wouldn't make sense. Because it says that only an eighth burned every night. Which would also mean, then, why did the fire go out? How were they able to relight it? So we have two questions on that. One from the quantity and one from the quality. That doesn't add up. So I'll, I'll try to find out about it. Never thought of that before. Um, but here the rub is bringing two differences. Sarah and Rufka's candles stayed lit the whole week. We relit it every night. And the, we as in the Hanukkah store, and then the Hanukkah Menorah lasted eight days as opposed to the seven days. So Lumatzot, despite this, according to the first opinion, which is a opinion of quantity, the miracle of Hanukkah was a totally different miracle. Benes nivra od shemen. By a miracle, more oil was created. This was not the case with Sarah and Rivka. Sarah and Rivka was clearly one of, quanti- of quality. The quality of their oil miraculously changed and it lasted for a full week instead of for one day. But even according to this first opinion, that the quantity changed. There isn't any sort of novelty in the essence of the miracle of Hanukkah. Because we already have a case of the same miracle, of the quantity of the oil changing. It's the miracle of the oil of Elisha, which I just mentioned. So the question that the Rebbe is almost bringing up here is, if we're saying it's a miracle of quantity, why is it such a big deal? We have a story already in Tanakh where this exact thing happens, where a prophet affected it, and we, we don't have a holiday to celebrate that. So, like, what kind of, if we're going with the first one, what's the big deal? Which story are they referring to? So um, with story? Elisha. Oh, with Elisha. Oh, yes. Are you, are you familiar with that story from yeah, the Tanakh? I wasn't sure if yeah. you, that they were. Yes. So it's a very interesting story. One of the biggest like Hasidic kind of perspective from that story is that you have to have vessels in order to get blessing. Because the moment that her vessels ran out, he wasn't able to pour any more oil. And so it's like the light, every light has to have a vessel and every blessing that we draw down has to have a vessel that's created from it. That's like kind of like what a lot of the big messages Hasidus takes from that story. But here we're trying to understand what's the Chiddush. If these are the, the the two general categories of answers. If it's a quantity thing, Sarah and Rivka had the same. A quality, sorry. If it's a quality thing, Sarah and Rivka had the same miracle. What's the big deal? If it's a quantity thing, Alicia had the same miracle. What's the big deal? And now we're going to bring questions on the answers themselves and how they actually don't explain fully the miracle of Hanukkah and how they, there are questions that come up from these explanations. Okay, so this is definitely what we call a Haskalah kind of tzicha. Um Let's continue. So Hakashim al Shnei Haisperim. So we have two, we have questions on the two general answers that we've been given, that the quantity or the quality of the oil changed. In every one of these explanations, we have a question. So according to the answer that the amount of oil changed, we know the famous question, which is brought in Hamayadim Lahalacha. It's a halachic question. How is it possible, halachically, to light the candles in the base Hamikdash with shemen that originates from a miracle? It says clearly, shemen zayit, that you need natural olive oil in order to light the constant candle it doesn't say miracle oil it says olive oil and this is actually a halachic question because halachically first of all you're not allowed to rely on a miracle we're going to get to that question but you're you're not allowed to change nature in order to do mitzvahs the famous example of this is the Alter Rebbe he was traveling once on a boat 
and he wanted to say Kiddush Levana, the moon was full. And there's a law that you can't be, there's a halacha that in order to say Kiddush Levana, you need to be staying in one place. You can't be like on a, on a wagon and like watching the moon and saying Kiddush Levana. So he asked the captain of the ship to stop the boat so he can say Kiddush Levana. And the captain said no. And he asked him again. Sorry, he said no. So then the altar miraculously just stopped the boat. The boat stopped. And then the altar said, can I, um, can I do Kiddush Devana? And he said, no. And he started the boat again and he started going. And then he stopped the boat. And then, the, and then again, he said, can I do Kiddush Devana? He started the boat again and then he stopped the boat for the Alter Rebbe. And his Hasidim asked him, if you were able to stop the boat, then why didn't you just stop the boat? Like, why did you have to wait for him to stop the boat? And the answer was, because you're not able to do a mitzvah based on a miracle. You have to do mitzvahs in the natural way. That's the whole point of mitzvahs, that they come down into this world, in this limited world, with us as limited people, and that's how we do mitzvahs. If you start using miracles and supernatural, that's not what mitzvahs are based on. So the question comes up then, when it comes to the answer of quantity, that they had oil that was natural, they used that oil, but then the rest of the oil that filled up was miracle oil. It wasn't oil that had come from an olive. It was miracle that it, it was oil that had come from a miracle right? How can they have used it? You're not able to use miracle oil. You have to use olive oil. Okay? It's a halachic question. The hechrechi literates. So we are forced to conclude, to answer, Shabashem and Zayit, that when we say olive oil, we're not specifically referring to oil that's sourced in an olive, but rather something that has the characteristics of olive oil, that its light is able to be pure, right? The, when you light a candle from pure olive oil, the quality of the candle itself is more pure than that of a different oil, etc. So we're forced to explain this. The Rebbe's giving an explanation to the question that he asked, but this, the question still remains there, if that makes sense. If we're gonna go with that, we're forced to say, when it says olive oil, we don't mean oil that came from an olive, we mean oil that has the characteristics of oil, olive oil, which the miracle oil did have, okay? Okay, so now, the second explanation is that the quality of the oil changed. That every night, they lit one-eighth of the oil, that was in the jug, it's also not understood. What would be the problem with that? With taking one-eighth of the oil and filling up one-eighth of the candle and it lasting for the entire day. Yes, it has to be full. And also, it's relying on a miracle. By you saying, I'm going let, let, to let... I have to light put enough oil in order for it to be lit for a full day. That's the halacha. Otherwise, I can't light the menorah. So what are you doing putting in one-eighth? You're relying on a miracle. We're also not allowed to rely on miracles, right? Um, didn't they only, need it, they only really needed it to last a week, right? Because that's how long it takes to get the new... They needed it to last eight days. Oh, they didn't need it. Yes. So I was going to ask how yes. No, so okay. immediately they dispatched messengers, we need more oil. Okay. And it was a process of eight days. I think four days each way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's go to the second question. The law when it comes to lighting the menaira, it establishes tenla midasa. Give it, give her the menorah, her measurement. That it should remain lit from the evening until the morning. And the chachamim measured this to be a half a log. A log is, uh, I guess, a, a halachic measurement. And it's about this much, right? I mean, to, to light, how much oil do you need for it to light from, from evening until morning? The truth is it's actually a decent amount of oil because we don't have our menorah last from evening till morning. We have it last, how many hours does it have to be? There's 90 minutes? Yeah. It has to, it, that's how long I think you need to sit by the menorah, no? Or is that how long it just yeah, has to remain lit? Well, yeah. look, you're also, I think, oh, 30 minutes into nightfall, not 30 minutes after lighting. 
Yeah. So they, 30 minutes into nightfall as in says like the like when the three stars come out. So from Shkia until 30 minutes after mm-hmm. nightfall is about an hour. Right? Because between Shkia and says is about half an hour. I think. Must yeah. Okay, so I'm going to say that for at least 30 minutes. Oh, we don't light before Shkia. We don't light before Shkia. I'm getting confused. That's Shabbos candles. We light before, only on Shabbos, only on Arab Shabbos. We, we light before Tzais. We light before nightfall, not before sunset. Yeah. Right? Sorry. Yes. Just on Shabbos, then you have so to light before. So that's half an hour. From before nightfall for half an hour. Okay, so you don't need that much oil. But imagine it had to last the whole time you would need a decent amount of oil it says half a log i'm not sure how much that is but it's probably the menorah was massive we know that and so each one was probably like a decent amount okay um so there was a specific halachic amount that you had to fill the menorah so that it can last a specific designated halachic time and in addition to the law that the vessel needs to be full and that's so we take this a lot. That's why we were very makbit to, to like spill the wine in um, Kiddush because of this. It says, Kli shari lias male. The a vessel that we're using needs to be full. So we spill to show we filled it. We didn't do it just before because then it's not fully full. How do you know something's really full if it spills over, right? So we see that with a Kiddush. Kamuvan mena alacha. And we've understood from the from the law that that anytime we're using a vessel, we only sanctify it when it is full. Okay, and that is also again this is the source for for filling up the Shabbos the Shabbos Kiddush wine as well. So we're we're left with the same with this question: How can you fill it up an eighth if you have to fill it up fully and if it has to last the whole night? The ilulafia esperanal. So according to this above explanation, Yotze, we can find so that they clearly did not fulfill the law of giving her her measurement. And the candles were not full with the amount that it needed for the thing. And also according to the second opinion of quality, Yotze shebekol echad ma'ayamim we see that on, from every day, besides for the eighth day, it didn't have enough oil that it should last from the evening till the morning. On the first day, the menorah was full, was full with all of the oil, then on the seventh day, it had a seventh. So we had two opinions when it came to quantity. The first one is that they filled it up an eighth each time and that the, sorry, the quality of the oil changed so that one eighth lasted eight days, okay? So it lasted one day and then they keep refilling. The second opinion about quality was they filled everything up to the top. So on the first day, they halachically did their requirement, right? But then on the next day when they came to light it, which again, we don't know exactly how they lit it, if there was still oil, but let's say they came to light it. Then the second day they were lighting a little bit less. And then the next day they were lighting even less because that opinion says that the quality, this is like very much in accordance with the opinion of Sarah and Rifka's candles, that the oil just lasted straight out throughout, right? And it just burned really, really slowly. So we're left with that same question. If the oil went down every day, then every day there's less and less oil. How can you light the menorah on the amount that's not halakhically correct? Okay? What is the font that's down here? At the bottom. Is that... So these are the footnotes, and this, that's interesting. It's just a different type or is that it's it's not a footnote because these are footnotes uh-huh. this where is it brought where's the star i'm trying i'm not sure if this is actually the star is in the footnotes. does it say here if it's mocha oh it's a footnote of the footnote yeah okay i guess it wasn't space i think okay i just interesting 
Oh, it's very. It's actually a very interesting footnote. It says that halachically, um, in a situation where you don't have enough pure oil for the menorah to fill it all up, you can use some impure oil to make sure that the amount is full. It's, it's emphasizing here, it was so important to fill it up all the way that even if you had a little, only a little bit of pure olive oil, you could take some impure and mix it together. Oh, interesting. Yes. And the truth is, I don't know if you learned this, but the Chashmonaim were halachically able to use non-pure olive oil in the menorah. They were, there's opinions that say this, because if majority of the Jews at the time or something like that are, are impure, then you're able to use impure oil, something like that. And that was the case. But they went Masiris Nefesh to be hidur in the mitzvah um, and to specifically use the pure olive oil. And there's, there's opinions in Hasidus that explain that only because they went to such lengths to make sure that they use such pure olive oil, Hashem made that miracle as a response to that, to say, okay, you care so much about beautifying the mitzvahs and doing it perfectly to the point that you're going to go mysterious nefesh for it and I'm going to respond in an illogical way as well, right? A lot of the story of Hanukkah, a lot of the Hasidus says that mm-hmm. because you went in an illogical way, you fought the war even though there was no way you could have won, I'm going to make you illogically win. And you fought the war for the oil even though logically you were able to light with impure oil, um, so I'm going to make an illogical miracle so that it can last for all eight days. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, so, they, so it clearly says here that it's very important to fill it up all the way. And if you don't have only pure oil, you can mix it together with shemen pasul. Shemen, that's not pure. Um, so, so it does strength, it, it does emphasize our question. How could they possibly, if they cared so much about the halacha of lighting the menorah, how could they possibly have only lit a portion of it? Right? And how could they have allowed it to just keep going down and keep lighting it? Okay? So now, the Rebbe is going to bring his opinion, okay, about, about the miracle. Um, it's interesting because I remember the question of Losom Chim Anes coming up in this context, but I don't see it here. So, in case it doesn't come up, I'll just add another question here, which is when it came to the quantity, when it came to the quality, and the opinion that they lit one-eighth, that's relying on a miracle, right? I hope that it's just going to stay lit the whole night. And we're not allowed to rely on a miracle. It's brought clearly. We're not allowed to live our lives relying on miracles. So that's another question that might come up later, but I do definitely remember that coming up in this context. Okay, Dalet. Hesper Shlishi. A third opinion that does not talk about quantity and it does not talk about quality. An altogether third category. A miracle that includes two opposites together. We have to bring and explain another option, but often is Hanukkah, in the way that the miracle of Hanukkah played out. Which, about this explanation, we don't have all these questions that we mentioned Previously, how can they use miracle oil? How can they, how can they use miracle oil? And how can they um, rely on miracles? And how can they not have filled the jaga? That according to this explanation, it will be explained, it will be understood, the novelty in the lighting, the candles of the Hanukkah lights. Sorry, in lighting the Hanukkah candles. Which was never brought before. So we had the questions on the quantity. We had the questions on the quality. And we had an overall question. What's the novelty of this miracle? If we explain it, if we explain it in quantity, Sarah and Rivka had this miracle. If we explain it in quality, Elisha had this miracle. What's new here? What's such a big deal? So the answer that we're going to bring is going to need to take away all those questions halachically. But also explain to us the novelty of this miracle. Okay. As the Beis Yosef explained above. That the, the miracle of Hanukkah played out, according to one of the opinions, but often in a way that they filled all the oil that they had into the candles. And in the morning, they found that the oil was still full. And again, how was the candle still, how was the candle not lit? Not sure. Maybe they just, maybe they blew it out to light it again. 
that also is possible. Um, is there a way, I guess it doesn't say like you just replace the wick with the, um, the liquid. I know. So, so, so still, I'm still stuck with that. I never thought of that before. Um, about, about they, like what happened to the fire. But let's assume the fire went out, okay? For sake for now, but I will check. So according to the first opinion, that it just stayed full. Which does not bring up the question of um, how could they not have filled it up, right? Which is a very basic question. So we could say. The explanation is not that the oil was lit, and then afterwards the candles filled up miraculously. So they filled it up, it went down all the way, and then filled up again. We can't say that. Why? What's the problem with that? What's the problem that if it was full, it went down, and then miraculously it filled up again? Then it's miracle oil. And then... We need to use olive oil, not miracle oil. Ella, rather, how can we explain this? That the oil remained lit. And at the same time, it didn't go down whatsoever. The oil remained lit and it was feeding the fire, but the amount of oil never went down. As our Sages explain al esh shel maila about the fire that came from heaven shehi sorefes ve'ena ocheles which would burn and would not consume. So the Reb, the Reb is bringing a third miracle of fire, which is the miracle of the story of Moshe and the burning bush. The burning bush. What was so special about the burning? What, what's such a big deal about finding a burning bush? There's lots of bushes that burn all the time. What was the big deal about the burning bush? Why did Moshe come closer? It wasn't getting consumed. Exactly. It was on fire and not burning, not being consumed at the exact same time. Wait, how is this different than Sarah and Rivka's? Sarah and Rivka's was burning. It was being consumed just slowly. Oh, it's just the oil just never disappears. The oil was not going down. It was burning and not burning at the exact same time. Yes, and we'll explain this a little bit more. Um, and, and that's what happened. The burning bush was on fire and not being consumed at the exact same time. So here it says, in regards to the burning bush. So we need to bring up here. Even if it says, that it's permissible to light the, the menorah with miracle oil, which we did explain how we can explain that. We said, doesn't it maybe have to be oil from an olive? It can be oil with the characteristics of olive oil. Ashert chunatav, kashamanzayat, that it's characteristics of that of olive oil, kedalel, as we mentioned above. But kol zot muva, nevertheless, it's understood, she'or ha that the light of the menorah, tsarich liot kazeh, needs to be in a way, haba min hashemen lama'or, that comes specifically from the shemen lama'or, the specific olive oil. So, even if we can explain it away, at the end of the day, they wanted to do the mitzvah properly and perfectly. And that means that it needed to be oil that had come from an olive. So we can find, therefore, that in this miracle, there was something happening that was completely opposite. And before... Before we get into this there are considered to be different categories of miracles, right? Like, for example, Hashem splitting the sea is considered like a big miracle, right? Um, there's different levels of miracles. There's a miracle that the nature changes in some way, like the, like the natural order of the world. That's usually what a miracle is, when, when nature just changes. The truth is that the sun rising and setting every day is a miracle, but it's a constant miracle, so it's not considered a miracle. What, what makes something a miracle? It's something that doesn't usually happen within nature, right? So we had, for example, a sea splitting. The sea splitting is considered this category of miracle where nature, the rules of nature are bent, but not completely turned on their head and transformed. So the nature of water is to flow down, and God changed the nature of the water by making it stand up. But he didn't change the nature of the water itself. The water itself 
did not suddenly stop flowing. What happened? How do we, how do we, what happened that the sea split and the sea stood up as two pillars? Hashem caused a very, very, very strong wind to come. This is all brought down. Hashem caused a strong wind that blew the water upwards like this. So the nature of the water itself, which nature is to flow down, did not change. God didn't say, okay, now the, your nature is to flow down. I'm changing the nature of water, which is considered a bigger miracle. He didn't change the nature of the water. He caused a phenomena within nature that caused this change. Okay? So it's actually considered a lesser level of miracle because of the way that it happened, as opposed to certain instances where the nature of something itself changes. Nature has rules for everything. Water has a rule. Water flows downward. So if God changes the nature of the water, that water now starts to flow upward and to stand up on its own, that's considered a bigger miracle. Okay? So we're going to be learning that the miracle that happened with the oil and with the fire changed the nature of oil, changed the nature of fire, and that it's actually an even greater miracle than the splitting of the sea. Okay? This is not the general way that God does miracles, by changing the essence of the nature itself. So, is it? I have a question. I mean, this is a different topic, but I have I've yet to hear a good definition of what a miracle is because it almost seems like the splitting of the sea is a miracle. Isn't a miracle? Yeah. Why not? I would think that a miracle is something that, like, God changes nature in order for something to happen. Right. And that's not necessarily him changing nature. Like, him it, causing a wind is no different than him, like. But he caused a wind that never, he caused a wind that's never winded before, that's never blown before. Is the miracle so, that it's like a great thing that he did for people? Yeah, miracle means nes. It's a, it's a banner. It's, it's Hashem clearly showing his presence within nature by doing something that would never have happened on its own. So that wind would never have blown on its own in the way that it did. So it was clearly Hashem right? Um, when Yahushua stopped the sun, right? Like, he didn't change the nature of the sun itself, but he stopped its cycle, right? That was Hashem showing that he can manipulate nature. There's rules to nature, but he can manipulate and change it. Um, any miracle that you think of, I mean, all of the plagues, like on, in one way, yeah, like locusts can just come and swarm a place, but the type of locusts and the timing of it and the prediction of it all matches together to say, naturally this would not have happened and this is only happening because of the hand of God. So but why, why do we call them miracles if like Hashem could do anything? So like he's capable of like doing a miracle, like literally whatever he wants. So it's not a miracle from Hashem. It's not like, whoa, like Hashem just, Hashem just did this crazy thing that we didn't know Hashem could do. But rather, it's a miracle, again, from the word banner, because it's Hashem clearly showing his involvement within nature. Hashem hides his involvement in nature by causing cycles that seem to repeat themselves over and over to the point that we get numb from it. Right? Again, it's a miracle that every morning the sun just rises from the exact same place and sets in the same place. It does, it's crazy. And it's clearly Hashem, but because it happens every day and because every year the, the leaves turn orange, Hashem hides within the cycle of nature, within the redundancy of it. And it's just happening again and again. So the moment something changes within that cycle, very obviously, in a way that it would have, that it, it does not and it did not in history, not, so not an earthquake. Right, um, but an earthquake that's never that, you know that happens not on tectonic plates. It happens after a prophet says that if you don't listen, I'm going to bring an earthquake like that. Right, um, that's Hashem saying I am present within nature and I control nature in a way that you can now see. Nase is a ban. I am manipulating nature in a way that you can now see clearly that I'm the one in charge of nature. It's interesting because in today's time, <clears throat> for example if all of these weather patterns are happening, right? Right. There's huge uh, hurricanes and tsunamis and snowing in Southern California and all these things oh, are really? happening. People snowing are, in California? Yeah. Wow. And, <laughs> and they that. say, oh, that's wo global warming. Mm. But then you forget, could it be Hashem speaking to us and saying, I'm shifting everything. You're not paying attention. You're, you're defining it as science but my hand is still creating these signs and wonders and miracles for you to see that I'm trying to speak to you. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely possible. Right? And yeah. It's just like we kind of 
Yeah, we like to explain like everything the, the, away. The winds, like you could define that wind back to sitting in the sea as a huge uh, hurricane. But they defined it as the water separated because a huge hurricane came yeah. and split it. But, right. But so, I think part of the point, too, is that it's so obvious that there's, it's not even a question right. of it being like normal day today and being a miracle. Like being right. And I think it does need to be in some sort of connection to some sort of event. So... <clears throat> Yes, like the timing. Like if there was no one there to see Kriyat Yamsuf except one dude, and he's like, oh my gosh, the sea just split. Like, is that a miracle? Maybe it's a natural phenomenon. But the fact that the Jews were there, and I think that there does need there needs to be these two things going on, right? It's the manipulation of nature, but it's also the clear hand of God in that, Mm -hmm. which needs to coincide with some sort of event. Mm -hmm. And if it just happened now. Right, like randomly, like, I don't know, there was some, some natural phenomena that we've never seen before. It's easy to just clearly explain it away. But, you know, when, when Eliyahu Anavi stood up in front of all the Baal worshippers and all the Jews and said, okay, your turn, you prove your God, and then I'm going to prove my God, right? And then they did, and then, and then his God, Hashem, a fire descended from the heaven. You could say, oh, well, fire sometimes just, you know, lightning. But yeah, the timing, it's, it's irrefutable at that point, right? So... I do think that these things have to maybe be in connection with one another. So why doesn't it happen now? Why doesn't it happen now? <laughs> I think that, like, it's just in general, God just reveals himself less. Like, yeah. he used to talk directly to prophets. Or like, yeah, every single generation, we feel God in a revealed way, less and less and less. That's just the way that Gaulus, it's like the way that Gaulus functions, that we started out like with total revealed godliness in the Beis HaMikdash with the Kohanim, with the prophets, like everyone, and then even in the second temple, like everyone was prophets. There were, there were, there were schools where you can just go to become a prophet and to speak to God and get personal answers, okay? So that's like how we started off. And then it's just been this like clear, it's not fair, but what does Chassidus teach us? That how do you really know you're connected with God when you're not enlightened, right? When there aren't these miracles happening. Because if God was just revealing himself in miracles, then we're almost forced to believe in God and to choose him and to do mitzvahs and to be Jewish. And then it's not from us. And the, the way that Chassidus explains it, and this is, you're going to see this message throughout the whole year, is we're almost like the way to crack Golas and just get through it and break through the darkness and get to Mashiach is by being in the darkness. Because if you're in the light, you're not going to work too hard. You're not going to be motivated. You're not going to be pushed. You're going to enjoy the little light that you have, right? Um, what were we just learning in the previous mimer of Hanukkah, right? We're trying to learn about Hanukkah, and then it's like, wait, why are we talking about love of God and all these things? And the whole message of that mimer is that we need to get to a place from the darkness where we feel so far away that we want God himself. We don't get, what's it called? Shiny object syndrome? Have you heard yeah. of that? Yeah. Okay, so shiny object syndrome. That's what the previous generations have. The less shiny objects there are, the less shiny object syndrome, the more you get to the point. So, so there's an upside to it. There's an upside to the darkness. And that yearning that we learned about, that the Hanukkah candles represent that love. We light those candles that represent that love in the darkest time of the night. We light it after the sun is totally set, right? Um, because that's actually when you can truly feel far away. <laughs> you don't say, well, you know what? I have a little bit of God, so like, I'm not going to bother, right? Like the angels. The angels aren't trying to bring Mashiach. The angels are very happy. Um, so that's the way that Chassidus explains it. But at the same time, it sucks. And it's very, very hard. And then we also just need to appreciate that we, every time that we do do something, we know it's not because there were miracles. It's because we chose it, right? A miracle almost takes away your free choice, and that's why Hashem doesn't do it all the time. We wouldn't have free choice if every time... We said, God, you exist. Hashem would just descend in a pillar of fire, right? And then our work wouldn't mean as much. So this, the, the truth is that there, there are miracles today. There definitely are miracles today. I mean, the Rebbe clearly said that the Yom Kippur War and the Six-Day War were open miracles. The Rebbe said that there were more miracles in the Yom Kippur War, even though we, we suffered more losses, so it's harder for us to appreciate. Open miracles. This is not a long time ago. Um, there are probably open miracles happening right now too. (laughs) 
but sometimes it's hard for us to see it. Um, it's easy for us, to, very easy for us to explain miracles away. There's a mimer that hopefully we'll learn that talks about that. Why doesn't Hashem do miracles all the time? And explains because miracles are so easy to explain away. That's what in, I say with science, right? You, like yeah. You say, oh, it's not, it's not Hashem moving nowadays. It's global warming. Right. I think with technology and the way things have happened, we've desensitized ourselves. I mean, imagine that you don't have technology, you don't have TV, you don't have anything, and you're in a desert. The only thing you have to connect with is the land and the sky. Yeah. That's it. And Hashem. Other than that, and the, and the yeah. individuals around you. And you're so clear in your soul, in your mind, that you can see all of these things happening. Yeah. And I think that we're so distracted that even the, the little things that you can... <clears throat> Our miracles, but we're like, ah, oh, just like Ashkocha Pratis, yeah. right? We start to say Ashkocha Pratis almost like, yeah, Ashkocha Pratis. Mm-hmm. But like, Ashkocha Pratis means that there was a personal tiny miracle that just happened, right? Where mm-hmm. you clearly saw Hashem's hand in your life. Exactly. And the way we explain that away so easily, mm-hmm. um, so easily. And science does that 100%. With every miracle, it'll bring a logical scientific explanation for how it happened and how there was no hand of God there mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah, so we will actually learn about that. I think it's a sh- in Shmais. So um, soon, we're getting into Shmais. Um, we'll, we'll learn a short mimer about that, about the miracles of the plagues and, and why Hashem, you know, why miracles aren't actually the optimal thing. Um, okay, but at the same time, we do celebrate miracles, right? What are we doing tonight? We're celebrating a miracle. And then the question is, okay, back to the question. What's the big deal about this miracle? The answer is a very big deal. So let's read. Um, 200 on the left side. So we have to speak about the fact there was something that happened here and that happened in the opposite way. What was the miracle? There was fire, there was light, there was candles that were natural. Excuse me. That came from oil, that came from wicks. Gormim Naturally cause Force, forcibly cause the kilion literally means the, con, the consu, consuming cons, consuming of the oil right that's the law of nature when you light a candle from oil the fire will consume the oil why is that in different font just out of curiosity it's it's em- emphasizing it oh, it's emphasizing kilion means that it's supposed to consume the oil okay. yes um, the p- people who compiled it did that okay yes but here, in the miracle of Hanukkah, on the other hand, there was not a drop lacking from the oil. The oil was, was enabling the fire to burn, was feeding the fire and not being consumed at the exact same time. The burning bush was, the, was a bush, was, was wood that was fueling a fire that was not consuming the wood. This is to say, Hayakan, we had here, Kilion consuming the Ekilion and not consuming the Batachat at the exact same time. The oil was being consumed because it was feeding the fire and not being consumed because it wasn't going down at the exact same time. Another distinction between these two types of miracles that I brought, the first type of miracle, you can picture it in your mind, mm-hmm. right? You can picture the wind coming and rising up but you can't picture oil being burned and not burned at the exact same time. It doesn't fit yeah, in our brain. And that's why it's considered an even higher miracle. A miracle that doesn't, we can't even imagine, we can't draw, draw it out. We can't illustrate it because it's beyond the workings of our brain. This is a phenomenon that we call in Hasidus, Nimna Hanimnais. What is Nimna Hanimnais? A type of miracle where something was happening and not happening at the exact same time, where there were two opposites coexisting at the exact same time. And there's actually another example of this miracle of Nimna Hanimnais in the Beis Hamikdash. Does anyone know where that was? There was an eternal flame, but there was the Aaron. Have you guys learned about the Aaron in the Kodesh Kodashim? The Aaron in the Kodesh Kodashim 
has very specific measurements. Hashem told oh, the Indian. Really take up space. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You learned that? Yeah. It took up space and didn't take up space at the exact yeah. same time. It had clear measurements. It existed. It was a physical object. But if you measured the length of the room, say the length of the room was 20 amas, and then you measured from one end of the aron. Have, have, have you seen this illustrated out? Let's just do it really quickly. Okay, so let's say the room is 20 amas. Okay? And here's the aron. If you would measure from here to here and here to here, it would be 10 amas. And they did this. They measured it. 10 amas and 10 amas. So this was here. The aron was here. And it took up space. And it was physically present. But there was 10 amas and 10 amas on each side, which makes 20. So it took up space and didn't take up space at the exact same time. That's called nimna, nimna hanimnais. And Opposites coexisting at the exact same time. That is a level of miracle that we cannot even hold in our mind. We can't make a sculpture of it or draw it out or make a painting. Or it's, it's, it's beyond that which we can hold. And that's considered a true miracle where Hashem is really showing his presence in this world. That nature, there's something beyond nature. So, that the place of the Aaron did not, wasn't according to any measurements. That's brought in the Gemara. There were two opposite things happening at the exact same time. The Aaron had measurements. As it clearly says in the Torah, that it was two and a half Amas. At the same time, the measurements of the place of the space next to it and in front of it added up fully to the length of the room. So it took up space and it didn't take up space at the exact same time. And in the Kodesh HaKodashim, that almost makes sense. It's the Holy of Holies. It's the place where Hashem's essence expresses itself in the world. So it makes, you know, inside it was the Luchas that was fashioned by Hashem himself. So it makes sense that that's where Hashem will show his like, ultimate presence. In the Beis HaMikdash, there were many miracles that happened every single day, but they are miracles that we can draw pictures of and we can understand that there was a fire that came from heaven and there was a light that stayed lit all the time and um, um, that pregnant woman never had miscarriages from the smell. It was apparently a very, very terrible smell going on and um, all those different things happening. We can imagine them, we can explain them away, but the fact that the Aaron took up space and didn't take up space at the exact same time is not something we can ever explain. And this is what happened with the miracle of Hanukkah. The miracle happened in a way that the characteristics of, the, of nature was completely opposite. Here there's an even deeper idea. Okay, this idea that the Aaron did not take up any space. Ein mudgash... We see here that the Aaron had two opposite things. It took up space and it didn't take up space. It had measurements, but it, those measurements didn't take up the measurement required at the exact same time. There's something even more. Even more so. This takes you like down a rabbit hole. Yes. You all the way down, all the way to come back, all the way, like the whole point of it. You almost forget what your what the, was. We forget what the question was, exactly. right? How can the first day of Hanukkah <laughs> be a miracle? Why is Hanukkah today? eight days? We're, we're into the, we're into the Aaron, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so, this idea that it didn't take up space comes specifically from the fact that the Aaron was a very specific measurement. If the Aaron had not been built with very specific measurements, which are clearly explained in the Torah, it wouldn't have the sanctity and the holiness of the Aaron. And so the miracle would never have happened that it doesn't take up space. So what's the idea here? If the Aaron what didn't take 
If the Arun had not been built in the way that was specifically required, in a way that takes up space, the miracle would never have happened to the Arun because it wouldn't have been the Arun. What makes the Arun the Arun? That it was built exactly how Hashem said to build it. That turned it from any sort of vessel into a holy vessel that's able to hold God. And because they went according to the required measurements, the halachic measurements to build the Aaron, the miracle happened that those measurements didn't take up any space. We're going to connect that back with Hanukkah now. That they had to have done it according to the way you have to light the Hanukkah candles so that they can have a miracle that the Hanukkah candles don't act like Hanukkah candles. Make sense? We see the same thing with the miracle of Hanukkah. According to this opinion that we brought above, that the miracle only happened because they lit the candles of the menorah according to halacha. And since the light of the menorah has to come from natural oil, that gets consumed by fire, as we mentioned above, we find that the miracle that they found the candles full of oil, that the oil did not, was not consumed, did not go down at all. It only happened because it was it was oil that has the characteristics of oil. So just like the miracle of the Aaron only happened because the Aaron was made the way it needed to, from the wood and the gold and everything that it had to be built from, so too the menorah had to be perfectly according to halacha so that then the miracle can happen, to allow that perfectly halachic menorah to have a miracle happen to it. In order to see the connection, Sheben Surazu shall nes between the way that the miracle happened, that the oil burned and didn't burn at the exact same time, and between Hanukkah, we have to explain the difference. We have to bring all three explanations that were brought regarding the miracle and the different ways that the miracle could have possibly happened. Number one, the quality was the quality was raised. And the quantity changed. And the third opinion of the Rebbe, that it was lit and not lit at the exact same time. In the first explanation, we see a miracle only for one moment when the oil filled up again. So there was one moment of a miracle where the oil filled up. When the, mir- when the oil miraculously became more. But then afterwards, it remains lit in a natural way. So there was one moment of miracle and then the rest was natural. Because once there's oil, even though it happened in a moment of miracle, now it makes sense that it's enabling the fire to burn. Amnam, however, the miracle of the oil that's connected to the lighting because if not for the miracle oil, they wouldn't be with what to light the candles of the Beis HaMikdash. And if so, that the lighting of the candle was connected to the miracle. And not just the fact, the moment where the oil lifted. Nevertheless, you don't clearly see the miracle. So the idea here is if we go according to the first opinion, that the oil in one moment just filled up. So there was one moment of miracle, but then at the time of them lighting the menorah every day, there was no miracle anymore, right? Okay, there was a miracle, but now we have oil. And now we're naturally lighting the menorah in a natural way. So it wasn't a constant miracle. It was a once-off thing that happened every day. In the second opinion that they put a little bit of oil each night, and it lasted for a long time, more than naturally, so then it's clear that at the time, not when you light it, but at the time when it remains lit, it's clear that there's a miracle because the oil is burning slower. But we only see the results of the miracle 
at the time of the burning, not at the time that you light it. The miracle itself happened the moment that Hashem changed the quality, the quality of the oil, and now it's oil that burns slower. So the Rebbe is saying that with each of these examples, there was a moment of a miracle, and then everything else played out naturally. But according to the third explanation, that it was burning and not burning at the exact same time, the miracle happened again and again and again from scratch. It was a constant miracle. And every time you looked over at the menorah candles, at the Hanukkah menorah, you saw a miracle. Not just in the moment, the one moment where the oil filled up. Not just in the moment where the quality of the oil changed and now burned slower. Every single moment that you looked at the menorah, you saw Hashem's presence and you saw the miracle. So it's like how we have constant creation. Like every instant Hashem creates the world, it's like... For those eight days, in every point of his consecration, he was like adding this miracle. At every like, single point. Because at like, every single point, it was not burning down, but it was giving fuel at the exact same time. And the quality of the oil did not change. It was not miracle oil. It was natural oil that cons- was consumed and not consumed at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. Because we can't say that was miracle oil, because then it wasn't a perfect mitzvah. It was natural oil that fed the flame and was not consumed at the exact same time. So if you look at the menorah, there was a constant miracle happening every single second, which was Hashem's constant hand involved in it, right? Hashem's hand is involved in everything, but how, what level of Hashem is involved in everything, right? Here was Hashem himself every single moment allowing something to happen that naturally could not possibly happen. And this is an interesting it's bringing up this interesting... How much more do we have to read? Oh, we have a bit more, so I guess I won't bring it up now. Something else interesting about this, like, moment-by-moment thing, but... Okay. Shlosha of Fanim shall Kabbalat over Mr. Nefesh. The truth is that we can continue this... Um, we can continue this last part on Sunday. Okay? Because we finished, if we finished the explanation. Okay? So we'll, we'll end with that. So when somebody says nimna hanimnois, it's a concept that comes up a lot in Hasidus. Nimna hanimnois is referring to a type of miracle where opposites are occurring at the exact same time, where logic is not able to comprehend and hold the magnitude and the process of a miracle whatsoever. And the Rebbe explains that, first of all, the Rebbe answers our question, why was the first day a miracle? And the Rebbe doesn't just say why the first day was a miracle. He says why the first moment from when they filled the oil and lit the menorah from the first moment, it was a miracle, all the way until right until the end. Okay? So that answers our question. How is the first day a miracle? It's a miracle because from the moment that they lit the menorah, it was being consumed and not being consumed at the exact same time in a way that you can clearly see. And the second thing, and so that answered all of those questions that came up. How can they be lighting not halachically? And the rabbi says, no, the fact that they lit fully according to halacha, they used all of their oil, of their natural oil, to fill up according to how they needed to. Because the menorah was lit exactly according to halacha, Hashem was able to make a miracle to this menorah, because now it is a a full menorah. And then the next thing is to explain to us why it's such a big deal. Why was the miracle of Hanukkah such a big deal? Hashem's done lots of miracles when it comes to fire. Fire used to just come out of the heaven and consume carbonas every single day, multiple times a day. What is the big deal here? And the answer is it was a type of miracle that clearly, clearly shows Hashem's hand in a way that shows that Hashem transcends nature and transcends everything that we know. And when Hashem reveals himself in the world in that way, that's an incredible miracle and that's something that needs to be celebrated. Okay, so we'll connect this with Kabbalah Sol and with the Mesiris Nefesh that the Hashemunayim had, the different ways that they had that, the ways that we have that. We'll do that on Sunday. Okay, so have a wonderful Hanukkah, a Freilichen Hanukkah. I think we're all waiting for lots of miracles this Hanukkah, so they should all happen even before Hanukkah comes in, because why not? Let's not wait until it gets dark for us to light the candles. It should happen before. And yeah, have a wonderful Shabbos, wonderful Hanukkah. And I'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.